right? You can imagine the parade route lined with people as you anticipate with excitement when it starts. Now, how many of you have been in a parade before? How many of you have had a chance to ride on a float? Okay. How many of you have had a chance to be in a parade as a part of a marching band? All right. How many of you have ever ridden on a donkey in a parade? All right, I'm sorry. I just had to ask that question. You know I did. All right. How many of you have ever had the opportunity to help organize a parade, either through the Lions or a civic or a community organization? Okay, one person at this service. Well, you know that it's a lot of work, right? A lot goes in to all of those preparations, all of that planning that needs to be done so that everyone knows where they are to be, where they are to go along the parade route. Well, it seems interesting in our gospel story for today that Jesus also goes about the same sort of work. He plans this sort of parade for himself, right? This sort of impromptu parade to mark how he will enter into Jerusalem. Now you have to imagine, as people are approaching Jerusalem, it's in preparation for the festival of Passover. This yearly festival, and so everyone comes from all around to celebrate in the city. And so there are people everywhere, crowds wherever you look. And if you imagine what the crowds must have looked like that day. There for sure were people in the midst of those crowds who had heard Jesus preach. They had heard him teach about this God whose love is so amazing and extravagant that God is able to love this wayward and lost son who returns home and yet is still able to invite this older son to be a part of what he has always had, to recognize the love that he has always known from his father. You have to imagine that there are people in the crowds who have seen with their own eyes the things that Jesus has done. The way that he has healed people and restored them to health. The way that he's returned people to their families and to their communities. The way that he has brought life to people. And you have to imagine that they are wondering, is he the one? Is he the one who has come? And still you also have to imagine in the crowds of people that day, The people who want change, the people who want, long for something different, who long for things to be like how they were in the good old days when King David was king, when there was no division between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was just the people of God, the people of Israel, and they had one king and one Lord that they served. And they so want that life again. They want their land and their freedom to be able to live as God's people. They want a king like David, young and handsome, strong and courageous, able to fight and save and defend God's people, not afraid to go into battle if the case might be. 
And then also a part of the crowds that day are the Pharisees, the lay religious leaders who all along have been telling Jesus to stop, to stop doing the crazy things that he has been doing and saying. And you have to wonder if it's in part because they're afraid. They're afraid that maybe Jesus will draw attention from the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council, and maybe be accused of blasphemy. That Jesus will draw too much attention from King Herod or Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. All three, Jesus will draw the attention of this week. And maybe the Pharisees are afraid because they can't fully see who Jesus is or what he's come to do. Now you have to imagine a part of the crowds that day, there would probably have been a fourth group of people. And I bet that if we were a part of those crowds, it would have been easy for us to see all of the different groups that I just mentioned. Maybe by the way that they spoke, their demeanor, maybe even by their clothing. But there would have been another group of people there, I'm sure. Maybe the people who sort of blended in a little bit more. The people who weren't exactly sure what to make of Jesus. The people who weren't exactly sure what it all meant. Who didn't really know what was going to happen when Jesus entered Jerusalem that week. Who didn't really know how the events would unfold. They might have been people who observed everything that was taking place. They might have been people who spoke their hope of what they longed for from their hearts instead of with their voices. They might have been the people who have long since heard the stories of Scripture, including the ones of the prophet Zechariah that talked about the one who was to come, that said, Rejoice greatly, O Jerusalem. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Lo, your king comes to you, humble and triumphant, humble and victorious, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on a foal of a donkey. And as they look upon Jesus, maybe wonder to themselves, could it be? Could he be the one for whom we have waited for so many years? And then their hearts can't help but be filled with this hope of this promise that they cry out the words from Psalm 118, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They too might be looking for something different. They might be longing to hear more of this Jesus longing to hear more about this God that he proclaims, the God whose name they call upon. They might be looking to have their needs fulfilled. What is it that you need this day? Maybe everything, right? Maybe a lot of things. Or maybe as you think about it more deeply, maybe not much at all. Or maybe as you think about that question, 
you don't even know where to begin. It's so abstract in a way, and your mind starts to think about it from a physical, an emotional, and a spiritual perspective. And you don't even know how to answer it. What do you need? Because, of course, if you knew the answer to that question, surely you would seek to acquire those things for yourself, right? What is it that you need today? Sometimes maybe the things that we most need are not the things that we can acquire for ourselves. Sometimes maybe what we most need are what we don't even realize that comes to us from someone close to us, someone who knows what it is that we need. When I read our gospel story for today, the words that seem to jump off the page for me is what Jesus says to the disciples. The Lord needs it. He's already trying to prepare them for what he knows surely will be asked of them when they're stealing someone's donkey. Someone's going to ask you, why are you doing this? Now, let's just take a moment here. This situation would only occur in the, to the, with the people who are closest to you, right? The people who are closest to you that could just like come and take something that is yours. Now, even if they did do that, what do you think you would do in response? Surely you would follow up with a question. George, why are you taking daddy's saw? What are you going to do with it? James, why do you need a screwdriver right now? Surely, if someone is taking something that is yours, you're going to follow up with some really important questions, right? And I think if we ask Jesus that same question this day, why do you need this donkey, Jesus? What are you planning to do with it? What's the answer to that question? Doesn't this story seem totally out of character for Jesus in the first place? Everything that we have come to know about this humble Jesus, this person who is all about everyone else and not about drawing attention to himself, the person who tells his disciples as they get sent out to proclaim good news and heal the sick, don't take an extra tunic, don't take extra bread or extra money. Now he's telling the disciples, I need this donkey to prepare for this really public affirmation and recognition and celebration as I enter Jerusalem. Doesn't seem to fit, does it? Why would the Lord need a donkey? You can probably think about a time in your life or you can think about a person that you know who has done something or does something, not because of themselves, but for the sake of someone else. They do something because they know it's important to someone close to them, to someone that they love. They do something because they know it's going to help someone else out. They do something because they know it's going to help someone to understand something or see something from a different perspective a little better. And I think that's why Jesus needs this donkey. I think he doesn't need it for himself, but the Lord needs it for us. 
Because the Lord knows that we are going to need it. We are going to need to have this image before us of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on this symbol of peace. Not a great horse, symbolic of might and victory and war, but rather a humble donkey. We're going to need this image to hold on to when it seems as if all hope is lost. We're going to need this image to hold on to, to remember who Jesus is and to remember the kind of king he is and to remember this kingdom that he has begun and that he will bring into completion and fullness one day. The Lord needs this donkey not for his own glory or esteem, but he needs it for us. So where does that leave us this day? As part of the observers of the crowds of people who follow Jesus. As part of the people who cry out, save us, we pray. As part of the people who long who keep on trying to seek to walk in Jesus' ways, ways of peace and love. One last thing to remember this day, as we begin this Holy of Weeks, is what just happened right before our gospel. As Jesus is making his way through the towns, there's this man named Zacchaeus, this tax collector, looked down upon, maybe a little shady in his tax collecting dealings, but he wants to see Jesus. But being the short person that he is, he climbs a sycamore tree to be able to catch just a glimpse of Jesus as he's passing by. But Jesus already sees him long before Zacchaeus sees him. And so Jesus comes up to him and says, Zacchaeus, you better have dinner ready to go because I am coming to your house tonight. And then Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to your house. It's true. Not because of what Zacchaeus has done. Not because of what Zacchaeus has promised to give back of what he has defrauded people. It is true because of what Jesus has done. And it's true not just for Zacchaeus, but for each of us as well. Thanks be to God.